0: Rafer, you know, we see a lot of movies here on the Movie Date podcast that raise questions. And, sure. And I I have to say that one of the main attractions for this week left me with a lot of questions. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So so let me just ask some of them. If somebody is about to throw up into your mouth, mm. do you stay there and scream or do you run away while they're trying to throw up in your mouth? <laughs>
1: Well, I you know that depends. What kind of movie are we are we in the documentary about the <laughs> about the the uh, No Place on Earth about about World War II or are we in uh, Jurassic Park or what 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 movie are we
0: talking about? I, I, another, another question: If there's more than one way to skin a cat, why do you skin one hundred all in exactly the same way and then hang them <laughs> in your basement? Why? I,
1: I guess you're talking about. Evil Dead.
0: Yes, Evil Dead, which also raises questions about the use of chainsaws. But I'm, I'm not. Oh gonna, yeah, well, yeah, we don't need to get into all my questions right now. Well,
1: I, Kristen, I, I'm I'm no Evil Dead expert, but I, I am familiar with the original film and um, and the remake, which we've both seen and will discuss. And I'll answer all your questions. Plus, uh, we'll talk about Jurassic Park. We'll talk about No Place on Earth, the documentary. We don't talk about enough documentaries, but we no, will. No,
0: no, but we definitely should this week. Yeah,
1: yeah. we've got a, we've got one for you this week. Um, and uh, why don't we why don't we get to that? Let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rayford Guzman, movie critic for Newsday,
0: and I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for the Takeaway, and this is Movie Date.
1: Okay, well, uh, you know, and before, and before we get to the movies, um, we should have a, a, little, a little tip of our hats to uh, Roger Ebert. Who, the great
0: Roger Ebert.
1: Who died uh, yesterday uh, at the age of 70, uh, 46 years, one, one day and 46 years after he became the film critic at uh, the Chicago Sun-Times. So you and I are going to talk about that on The Takeaway uh, we won't we won't discuss that here, um, but we're going to talk about that on the takeaway. You can hear that segment on thetakeaway.org. dot um, org. But I thought it might might be nice just to um, you know to to honor the passing of the the late great legendary Roger Ebert.
0: Oh he was fantastic, and not just a film critic, also the first film critic to win a Pulitzer Prize. That's right. Uh, let's not forget about Valley of the Dolls.
1: Oh, let's never forget about <laughs> Valley of the Dolls. Good Lord, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. I could talk about that for hours.
0: Oh, he's done so much. He's done so much. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Clearly, you and I would not be here if okay. it were not for uh, Roger Ebert and uh, 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 Gene Siskel.
0: Yeah. So rest in peace, uh, Roger Ebert. We'll miss you. The world will miss you. Not just film critics, but I think everybody who knows who you are is really going to miss your very strong opinions and your great wit and your intelligence and your great vocal. I, I, he was so verbal even when he couldn't speak in the end. Yeah. He had I know so that, much. Yeah. Always had so much to say. Yeah. So, that's rest, what I loved about him. Rest in peace, Roger Ebert.
1: All right. So let's share some of our own opinions. Um, I'm going to uh, lead off because you have not seen the 3D IMAX re-release of Jurassic Park, but I have. Uh, and here's a clip. Timmy, what is it?
0: Ooh, Jurassic
1: Park. Now, were you
0: a fan of the film when it first came out? Of course. Wasn't everybody in America? Right. Who wasn't? Yes. I mean, come on. The premise of it's fantastic. We have this idea that all you have to do is find a few little cells of this and merge them with a little bit of that in the lab. And look, we have all the materials to make dinosaurs. We've
1: cloned a dinosaur. <laughs> using a li- And we'll fill in the gaps with a little bit of fresh frog DNA. Yeah. Um, Which
0: correctly, should actually be bird DNA, not frog DNA. Well, of
1: course, right. Um, something that uh, uh, paleontologists were very angry about back in 1993 <laughs> when, the, uh, when the film first came <laughs> around. Stephen Jay Gould, uh, the paleontologist, wrote a, a long, long diatribe in the New York Review of Books in 1993 talking about how, you know, f- fulminating against this film, you know, and am- frogs are, are, you know, amphibians, dinosaurs, <laughs> you know, are reptiles. This is not going to work. Um, and
0: I have to point out that I, was, uh, I did a, a project in college. I, uh, All of us in my college were required to take a certain number of science classes, math classes, and so on. And so I took a science class for dummies, which mm. everyone kind of called rocks for jocks. Okay. And, um, and we each had to do a presentation on paleontology during this course. And my presentation was all about the problems with Jurassic Park. Oh, and, wonderful. And I remember presenting the movie, and every time there'd be a clip on I'd just like – get so caught up in the movie and then I'm, oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be telling you this thing about the Paleozoic era or whatever. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I always liked this movie. I like it as a teaching tool. I like it just because when you have a Dixie cup of water and you're staring at it, you're kind of hoping a dinosaur will come up (laughs) behind you.
1: (laughs) And the water will start rumbling and you'll know it's the T-Rex. Yes. Um, Well, so I watched this again um, in 3D and IMAX. You know, as as you know, Kristen, I'm not a huge 3D fan. I think I, I can take it or leave it. But as conversions go, I will say this is pristine. It is crystalline 3D. There's not a glitch to be seen. It looks fantastic. Better they, than
0: Top Gun 3D, huh? But, you know
1: what? I didn't see Top Gun 3D. <laughs> oh, sadly, that's right. that's
0: sadly. Right. Oh, so, lucky, lucky
1: you. <laughs> I don't know if they did a better job, uh, you know, with uh, with uh, the pecs in uh, Top Gun, <laughs> and than, than they did with the claws in Jurassic Park. But you know, this is one of these really painstaking conversions where they hand drew, they hand traced every little image and every little piece of the of the film to uh, decide what was going to pop out, what was going to stay back. So there's there's no glitches in it at all. It looks great. Um,
0: did it add to the story? Did it make things feel more intense? Did you feel more terrified when a no. dinosaur was breaking into your kitchen and all you have is a ladle? No, the the magic the
1: magic to me is still in the storytelling. It's still in uh, David Kep who's this, one of the co-screenwriters, David Kep and Michael Crichton who wrote the book. They wrote the screenplay. This, the script is so smart. Steven Spielberg just in top form and I know that like the, you know, the critics have always – have always carped on Steven Spielberg for being kind of a, a little boy playing with green army men and moving miniatures around and not having that much else going for him but – I mean when he when he is at his most kinetic and everything is working and you've got all this crazy coyote versus roadrunner stuff happening with the the kids are trapped in the car and the car is trapped in the tree and now they're out of the car but the tree is falling down. But the, the car is falling down branch by branch coming down on them and then it lands on top of them at the end. It's so Warner Brothers cartoon but it works so wonderfully and it's so much fun. And, and what a great cast. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is Dr. Ian Malcolm, the swaggering – Rockstar chaos theoretician. What a great character. The whole thing is just great and I was so pleased to be sitting through it. And here is my prediction. It's too early to tell, but looking ahead, looking ahead at the summer schedule, this may well be once again... The best film of the summer. Really? You know, it oh my just, gosh. it's just—it's just the entertainment value is just so high. It's wow. so much fun. Wow! So I'd really recommend that. I gave it three and a half stars. Oh, out that's of four. fantastic!
0: Yeah. Oh, I that's would, great. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And it, you
1: know what? Again, 3D or no 3D, IMAX or no IMAX. It's just worth going into the theater and and seeing it once again.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to have to check that out again. I yeah. loved it the first time. Right. I really, really, really
1: loved it. The so first good time. date. I recommend that you take a date Excellent. to Jurassic Park. You can you can clutch him and scream.
0: Ooh, I love doing both those things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, so we'll, we'll move on and we're going to um, discuss uh, a completely different film, uh, the one that you were not apparently talking about earlier in the podcast, uh, No Place on Earth. I used to go with my grandmother to get some drippings. A glass of water was for a family for a day. I
0: was once so thirsty. I got out from the cave and said, if, if they kill me, I have to go to a well somewhere. Oh, no place on earth. So Christian, do you want to tell us a little bit about what this film is about? Yeah. So this opens with a spelunker who decides to go to the Ukraine to look into his family heritage. And while he's there, of course, explore some caves because he's a spelunker. And while he's exploring, he comes across some evidence of humans in a cave, but not ancient humans. We're talking humans within the last 50 to 70 years. Right. Buttons, ladies' shoes, Yeah, tools. shoes. All sorts of things that say someone has been in this cave, and not just someone, several people have been in this cave, maybe in the last 50 to 70 years. He does some research, and he finds out that 30 people were surviving in this cave for a year and a half during the Nazi occupation. And he learns their stories, and those people appear on screen in this documentary, now much, much older, Yes, um, looking back on how they survived, what the cave meant to them, and um, It's just a story that's very different from a lot of other Holocaust stories we hear.
1: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Um, I think they spent something like – uh, four or five hundred days total in caves. They moved from a couple caves, I think, maybe maybe three, at least two, maybe three in total, uh, because they would occasionally get found out. Somebody would rat on them, or you know, they'd, they'd get spotted by a local villager, and then the Nazis would come in, and they would you know uh, uh, come in and either remove them or they would try to bury them uh, and pour you know pour uh, dirt into the into the mouth of the cave. They always had to make sure they had an entrance and also a, a secret escape. Yes. Um, Pretty incredible that they were living down there, um, you know, in near total darkness, um, and really only ever going out to get you know, firewood, food, uh, occasionally, you know, trade with the villagers in secret. Um, pretty extraordinary. I also thought that um, it depends a lot, obviously, on um, reenactments, which are not my favorite. Documentary tool. There's, they. I always think of some kind of cheesy TV, you know, true crime drama. Again, you know, there's always that POV camera, yeah. and the, the knife in the, the killer, kind of
0: like uh, America's Most Wanted, yeah. almost, Ex- yeah, yeah, that yeah. whole thing. Um, yeah.
1: But these, I thought, uh, were actually pretty tastefully done and well handled. I think the secret was not getting the. The reenactors to actually act. They d- I don't think they ever never speak. Talk, yeah, really? they never and, talk, you know. and I think that's important for some reason. I think that helps you. It, it maintains a distance. It, it's not trying to fake you out and, and pretend like this is a feature film in a way. Yeah, it, it
0: reminded me a little bit of – did you see Man on Wire? Yes. Uh-huh. So do you remember Man on Wire? They did the yes. same thing where they had reenactments but you never actually heard them talk. Correct. Yeah. That's right.
1: A Good point. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. But you're right. It's very similar technique. Um, but I liked the movie. I thought it was really good, um, a really you know, really interesting, um, some really uh, uh, heartbreaking testimony from some of the little kids who are now you know, uh, elderly people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the one the one guy who um, you know was uh, was beaten and 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 punished for stealing food because he was so hungry uh, and you know remembering it now and and crying um, it's uh, I don't know a lot of that a lot of that is really moving Um, so I liked it I mean you know it's a little strange to say that a holocaust documentary would be a good date but um, but it is for a a certain kind of date
0: (laughs) I would say well I would say that it I do like that it's a story we don't hear. I mean the closest thing I could even come up with was Anne Frank Yeah, um, uh-huh, as sure. far as people who are in hiding. But I do wish there was a little bit more Anne Frank in this story, a little bit more individuality. I felt that there was a lot of survival, which was fascinating. But I got I, – I started to lose track of which person is this, which person is You wanted is a this. focus.
1: You wanted a protagonist. Yeah, I sure. really did.
0: I needed, I, I think, to really – connect with, you know, a few individuals because the Holocaust is so overwhelming and impossible to understand. Anytime you're dealing with something huge and tragic like this, like right. slavery, like it to really connect with the story for me, I need to just feel a little bit more of the individual in it. And it was a little bit hard for me to connect with that individual in this movie. That being said, I still think this is worth seeing.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I understand that. Um, well, let's talk about a movie that that brims with individuality, that's very easy to follow, <laughs> I think, for you, Kristen.
0: Not so many <laughs> questions. So many questions.
1: This is Evil Dead. Mia, put the gun down. Put the gun down, please. This is not the Evil Dead. That was the 1981 original horror film by Sam Raimi. This is just Evil Dead. Hold rem- on! But I, it is the remake.
0: But okay, so I brought a friend with me to okay. the screening. You and I didn't go together. I brought a friend with me, and he was saying there were two Evil Deads, and then there was a sequel to the second Evil Dead, and the first Evil Dead was a very serious horror movie. The second Evil Dead was kind of more comedic and tongue in cheek, and then there was a sequel to that Evil Dead called um, what is it called? Uh, well, there was Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. Yeah, yes, yes. Right. Army of Darkness.
1: Okay, well, your friend. Well, I'm. I'm. Your friend is. Correct, and well, I mean the evil. I mean the Evil Dead, the original movie. Your friend, well, your friend is wrong. That the first film was a serious horror film. The first, the first film was anything but serious. Really, I mean that's what I mean. If For those of you, probably most people out there know the, you know, are, are familiar with the concept of the movie The Evil Dead. It's the original Cabin in the Woods movie. Five kids, college college students, who go out to a cabin. They discover a a creepy, possibly ancient book. They open it up, read it, and it unleashes uh, a demon of some kind who comes back to pick them off one by one. Of course, um, Bruce Campbell, who was the star of the film, went on to have a sort of a his entire career was basically built on the Evil Dead and I think he was in um, – he was in Army of Darkness. I'm pretty sure he was in Evil Dead too. Um, but he, he became this kind of cult figure. And the original Evil Dead was shot on a shoestring budget by Sam Raimi using nothing but really smart camera work and a lot of ketchup. And, that, <laughs> and that's and – and I'm, and I'm pretty sure – toward oh, and some, and some and some Gumby-level claymation. And also, um, I am pretty sure, some Quaker Oats at, oh. at the very end. Oh. I'm almost positive those were Quaker Oats. Oh, um, I think
0: I know what you're talking
1: about. And it is fantastic. It is hilarious. It's just, it's just super creative, low budget in the best possible way. It's funny. It's gruesome. It's, uh, it's smart. It's clever. It's imaginative. Uh, and it just has this great sort of – kid with a kid with a, a a couple of finger puppets acting out you know a horror film kind of feel and it and it just it has a life to it. So here's the here's the remake, you know, uh what is that? 20, how many years is that? 81 to 30 something years later? 32 oh my gosh. years later. So what did you think having not seen the original and and now seeing the remake? What what were your impressions?
0: Well, you can tell they're trying to modernize this. Yeah. They're bringing it to a modern audience. I never saw the other Evil Dead movies. so yeah. um, in In this case, we have a young woman who's trying to kick the drug habit. She's going cold turkey. So there's that added element while they're in the right. woods. She's with her brother, with some friends. Five of them are in the woods. Miles from civilization. Of course. And... How many of these crazy things that she's doing are because she's going through drug withdrawal? Right. So you have that added component to it. Right. You, you of course, have this book of evil, which. Yes is saying, don't read out loud from the Book of Evil. It says right there. <laughs> scrawled and scrawled in, in red, English. angular flesh Don't leave this book alone. It's wrapped in barbed wire and plastic yeah. and a bunch of other things saying, do not read. And it's surrounded by hundreds of dead cats hanging yeah. from the cellar ceiling. Right. There are a million reasons why you're not supposed to read this book. And so I'm not sure if that was in the original movie either, if there were a bunch of dead cats. No. still don't know what the dead cats are about. I have no idea what the dead cats yeah, are about. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, as for the throwing up in each other's mouths, Rafer, you warned me there was going to be throwing up in mouths. No, it has um, to be. I mean, yeah. that, that,
1: was, that, was, that, was the, that was the best part of the original Evil Dead is that, <laughs> no, is that no matter what was happening, somebody was screaming while somebody else was throwing up in that person's <laughs> mouth. That was, the, that was the best part of the whole film. And, it, and, and Sam Raimi just never tired of that trick. He probably uses it six times. And it just gets better every time.
0: So there's throwing up in the mouths in this one, yep. and I'm just like, why are you still screaming? Why aren't you, like, moving your head aside? Close your mouth. Close your mouth right now. Don't keep your mouth open. <laughs> there's a lot of chainsaw questions I have. I didn't know chainsaws worked in the rain. I don't know if that's fictional, if that was just – Oh, like I, bet I
1: bet you they work in the rain, don't you, you
0: do think? Even under those circumstances? They're for
1: lager. Oh, uh, well, yeah. That, <laughs> that particular kind of rain, I don't know.
0: They're, yeah. I mean, there's that's unusual rain. Unusual
1: rain. Unusual yeah. rain. They're, well, you know, I don't know. But uh, – but how
0: how did you like it? Did it work for you as a horror film? Did it did it entertain you? I did not what? think it was comedic in the slightest. I just no. thought it was terrifying and gross and <laughs> scary and it reminded me of a lot of other movies. I the Exorcist, this, uh, the uh, yeah, 127 the hours.
1: Yes, 127
0: <laughs> hours. <laughs> reminded <laughs> me of so many other movies. Yes, and Texas um,
1: Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, yeah. you, the list goes on.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say, um, just as far as an all-out scary horror movie, I think it succeeds. Oh, okay. For being scary, but not comedic. No, 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 no oh, comedy I, yeah. here. No, and, I,
1: I thought it was. I thought the movie was junk. And I, and I oh, and it, yeah. I, I mean, you weren't and,
0: scared at all. Did you scream at all?
1: No, I don't think. Me? I thought it was. Here's here's one thing about the original Evil Dead. It's a 90 minute movie, right? Or maybe 85. And it's there's no story. There's no story whatsoever. Just five kids. Hey, everybody, let's go to a cabin. Okay, now we're in a cabin. Oh no! The, you know the the, <laughs> the demon comes out and everyone starts getting torn apart. Great, perfect. Less is more. In this movie, I just felt like they wanted to Hollywoodize it up. You know, elaborate on the script. They invent this the junkie story, the dead mom backstory. The one guy is a school teacher. The other, the other chick is a nurse. They have to. Uh, we should mention that the 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 brother of me is is uh, Shiloh Fernandez, the uh, the actor who is in um, uh, Red Riding Hood with Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Amanda Seyfried. Um, he's I think kind of the only sort of major face people will recognize. I think in this movie, but. All this backstory, and and then there's, so now, what you have to have are all these moments of pathos and reconnection and symbolism and closure, and I'm just like. You know what I want? I want more Quaker Oats. I want I want more ketchup. More Quaker Oats, and I want and I, I don't want all this. I don't want these 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 violin moments in my in my goofy what horror the film. What
0: if, What if the violin moments are punctuated by people cutting off parts of their own faces? With... But it's
1: but you know it. The movie doesn't earn doesn't earn the right to do that because it's not funny, silly. And scary. It's just then it becomes just another splattery kind of horror film that we've seen for the last thirty years since the original Evil Dead. It just you know what it feels like? Even though it's the official Evil Dead remake, it just feels like an Evil Dead ripoff. And, you know, just sort of slicker, a little more money, but not as inventive and not as interesting. And I just thought it it just it was a bummer. And and apparently Raimi, you know, supposedly handpicked or at least approved uh, the director uh, Fede Alvarez who's uh, from Uruguay I think and he's a newcomer I think this is his first film so supposedly this was Sam Raimi's handpicked choice to, to take over the franchise which I don't buy I think Sam Raimi just you know wrote the check and was like alright great you know do this for us um, because the guy it, it's, it's just it's really sl- I, I think the directing is pretty sluggish and just not there's nothing creative about it there's nothing inventive about it so I was kind of bummed out to see mm. that, I per- I prefer the old finger puppet, uh, the old finger <laughs> puppet version myself. So, I, you know, I would say bad date, but you say
0: okay date. Yeah, well, I'm going to go back and look at the finger puppet version. I mean, it's a legendary movie. The fact yeah. that I haven't seen it is ridiculous. I should definitely see this movie. But um, I thought. For just good old scary fun. I, the theater I was in, there were lots of people screaming, yelling back at the screen, which is kind of what you want when you go see a yeah, movie. Yeah, mine
1: too. Although there was a lot of laughing, and I think not intentionally. Yes,
0: there was some <laughs> laughing too. But I mean, some of those situations just call for laughter. That's, but, that's true. Yeah. You're right. Maybe unintended, uh, not, not intentional on the filmmakers' parts to yeah. the, the, those laughing ones. So I say it's an okay date. All right. It's an okay date. It's all right. Okay. All right. So let's get to trivia, huh? Yeah. All right. So last week, we asked, in honor of movies based on toys and games, because we were talking about G.I. Joe last week, we asked, most of these movies, crap, right? Yes, most toy-based
1: movies, not so good.
0: Based on a toy or game, it's crap. But there was one movie that we could think of that was co-executive produced by an Oscar winner, and it stars three Oscar nominees based on a toy or game. And here's a clip. Dear Dad, here at home, things are hopping. The house is chock full of boarders, which keeps us pretty busy. And, Rafer, the right answer?
1: That's Kit Kittredge, American Girl.
0: Yes. All you folks out there who have your American Girl dolls, who go to the American Girl Cafe with your American Girl dolls <laughs> and have your American tea and you read the little books that come with your doll. Yeah. This is Kit Kittredge, Depression era. Right. Making it work. Abigail Breslin, dad's off going to the soup kitchens, mom's turn to the house into a boarding house, and it's it's a really great movie, actually. Stanley Tucci
1: is in it, uh, Julia Roberts uh, Joan, co-produced.
0: Yeah, Joan Cusack starts it. Right, Joan Cusack, I and forgot. I have, I have to say, I really loved that movie.
1: It is actually a pretty good movie. For a, for a kid's movie, and I, I feel like you don't see enough good kid's movies, as listeners perhaps know, I'm constantly railing against the quality of children's films. This one was actually quite good. Really good cast, a pretty Pretty endearing story. It has a very kind of golden age, sentimental but convincing quality to it. As I recall, I and again, great cast. And uh,
0: I actually liked the movie a lot. Oh, yeah, and and I have to say also for those of you who like Thirty Rock, Jane Krakowski's fantastic. Oh in yes, this movie, oh too. she's great. She's, she's great. just great in this. But we also asked a bonus trivia question, which we've been doing lately on Facebook.com slash Movie Date Podcast. So we put out a bonus question this week which is, again, in honor of G.I. Joe, what film, based on a popular toy or game, has three different endings? We got a ton of right answers, but the first person to call in was Greta. Hi, Kristen and Rafer. This is Greta from Nashville. The answer to your newest trivia that was just posted is Clue, and I know this because I saw it back a long time ago, but I also just watched it with my five neighbors who are brothers and sisters the other night, none of them had seen it before, and they were completely delighted. So they're between the ages of 9 and 16, and they're wonderful. So the Michael kids and I are, are telling you Clue. Love the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Greta, you and those kids. The Michael kids. Yeah. Thank you so much for calling in. That's that's absolutely the right answer, and we just love to hear people's stories about who they're watching their movies with. And, right. And, yeah, that, that's great. Who Who's... Who's re renting Clue? Greta and the Michael kids are renting Clue.
1: Bill. All right. Anyway, rock on. Um, okay. So I have a Jurassic Park question for listeners. I think someone is going to get this question. It's very simple. What star of Jurassic Park went on to become a regular on the NBC sitcom Seinfeld? Hold on. What show? This Sein- it's called what? Seinfeld. Seinfeld. I
0: don't know if I've heard of it. I'm not sure I know that <laughs> show, right? <laughs>
1: You know the one. With Jerry.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I that think, one. I, I think I've heard of that. So Five what, friends all living in an apartment. That's together the one. In New York. That's the yeah. one. <laughs> that's the one. All right.
1: So if you know the answer, what Jurassic Park star went on to become a regular on Seinfeld, give us a call. 5717 Movies.
0: Or log on to Facebook.com slash movie date podcast. <laughs>